I'm Dan Broskell. And I'm Dave Geller. And we are the co-hosts of What Do We Know? What Do We Know is a free-range podcast dealing with wellness, education, sports, personal stories, and more from two guys who know a lot about certain things, but not a lot about others. Your hosts are Dan Broskell, a longtime educator, compulsive runner, and father of five. And Dave Geller, a pediatrician with three kids and an amazing Maine accent. It's Friday, March 20th, 2020, uh, season one, episode 13, a lucky 13 of What Do We Know? Um, I'm Dan Brosco here with my friend, Dr. David Geller, and our special guest, uh, Dr. Wendy Heiger-Bernays, um, who we'll introduce in one second. Um, we were asked to do sort of a public service podcast, so a PSP, not a PSA, dedicated to what everyone's talking about this week, which is certainly COVID-19 and the coronavirus. So I want to thank uh, Wendy. So thank you so much for coming on this morning um, and giving us some of your perspective. So could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. This is great. Um, my name is Wendy Heiger-Bernays, um, and I think that right now I'm maybe best known for the work that I'm doing in Lexington. I'm chair of the Lexington Board of Health. I have been on the Board of Health for, I think, now 12 years, um, and I'm thrilled to be able to uh, talk to folks uh, and to relay some of the information um, that, that we're working on uh, at the Board of Health. My day job, uh, so I'm a volunteer for the town. Um, my day job, I'm actually a clinical professor of environmental health at the Boston University School of Public Health. Um, where I do my research and, and teaching uh, mostly on um, exposures and effects associated with chemicals that are unregulated uh, in commerce. So, so, so just a quick question for both of you. Is, is the Board of Health in Lexington an elected or an appointed board? The Board of Health in Lexington is an appointed board okay, of health. Okay, because in Bedford it is an elected. Five, it, yeah, and yeah. we're a five-member board. Excellent. And how long is your term? Is it constantly renew? Is it three-year term? What is it? It's a it's a two-year, um, two-year then three-year term. Yep. All right, excellent. So uh, thank you both for your service, obviously, to to Lexington, the community. Um, and we got a bunch of questions that we're going to run through. So I'd like um, to add. I'm going to jump in for one second. I, I, you may have mentioned it, but you know, due to the current COVID nineteen coronavirus um, issue in social distancing, this podcast is actually being. Um, podcast with a, some good social distancing, I'd say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're all in our separate homes, uh, easily, um, I don't know if it's six miles apart or maybe two miles apart. <laughs> um, sure. We are sort of all in our own little spaces right here. Sure. Yeah. All right, so the first question, um, and, and this is a series of three. I will read them, I'll read all three to you, and then you can tackle or adjust the questions as you feel it's appropriate. Number one is, um, you know, what are three things that are absolutely true about this virus? The follow-up question is then, um, what are three things that are probably gonna be true but we're not sure about? And the last question is, what are three things that are people saying that are definitely just not true? Um, so what's absolutely true? What's probably gonna be, you know, borne out by facts and what is just not, not factual so far? Okay, so David, you could have given me these questions in advance. That would have been helpful. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Um, so, would you like us to go maybe one each of us one one one, or what? What's most useful? Yeah, lead, lead off with just why don't you give give us a couple of things that you both know are absolutely true. You know about the coronavirus. All right. So, so I just want to say also that David sees this. Well, we're both on the board of health. Yep. The Board of Health is really uh, interested and, and its mandate is to, in this case, decrease 
you know, rates of disease, communicable disease um, for the public. Clinical medicine, right, works on one individual at a time. So David and I sort of come from different spaces, um, but in this case, we're all coming together because we need the clinical piece, we need the data piece, we need the public health piece, and we need the risk communication piece. So I'm going to start with a thing that something that I know uh, to be true is that this is a virus, right? It's not. It is we. It is the SARS-CoV-2 virus. That's important because uh, the virus has particular. Um, um, behaviors, if you will, as mm -hmm. if, a, if a virus can do that. Um, and what we know is that this is a highly infectious virus, and it causes this disease called COVID-19. Uh, Dan, what else do we know is true? Um, I think what we know is true is that this um, issue is evolving day to day, and what we knew um, what we thought we knew two, two, three, four weeks ago, even yesterday, is changing every day. And that we have to respect this virus and its spread and our attempts at, I'm going to be the first one to say, at flattening this curve um, because we see what it's done to other countries and we see what it's doing right now. And this is something that we really have to respect and uh, address as a community, if not a nation, and really work to um, prevent quick spread and um, provide safety and health for those who are at risk, that we know are at risk. And going back to the evolution of this, I think every day, um, Wendy and I are learning, and I'm learning a lot of this from Wendy day to day, that the information we get changes at who is, is, is at risk and isn't at risk. So, yeah, so this, that's what, so this thing like, you know, that we think might be true. So I think a few days ago, the legend was, oh, it's not really harmful to folks that are younger. And now the past couple days, it says, well, actually, if you look at some of the rates, the people who are 18 to 40 are still hospitalized at the same kind of rate. So do we actually know anything about age and risk at this point, other than the fact that elderly and folks with immune deficiencies are really at a higher elevated level of risk? So I'm going to speak to that. There's a couple of things there, I think, Dan, that we can unpack about what you're yeah. saying. Um, and, and I think one thing, I just want to go back to one of the true, the true things, is yeah. that um, people are infectious before they're symptomatic. Yeah. What that means is that um, I can be in the same room as you, I can sneeze, I can cough, uh, I can come into contact with you, and I'm not symptomatic, right? Yeah. But um, I'm infectious, okay? So that's, that, that's key. Um, and along those lines, getting back to the question you just asked, um, what do we know about um, either vulnerable populations or susceptibility? Right, we know, and David can speak to this from from his world. Children get the disease; they get the disease. They develop symptoms. For the most part, their symptoms are less severe, but it doesn't mean that they're absent, and it doesn't mean that there's a subgroup of children who don't present with more severe um, symptoms. So, and, and, and disease. And I think that you know, with more data, with more cases you know, this, this is coming out. Um, we try to look at those people we who need the most protections, right? And those are, as you pointed out, the elderly, but it's actually people 60 and, and higher. 
I don't know that I consider myself elderly. I'm 60, but I'm now in that category, right? It's immunocompromised, but it's also people with underlying conditions, heart disease, respiratory illnesses, um, diabetes, all of these underlying health conditions that for most people who have these, it's not underlying, it's their day-to-day life. They have to deal with them. And I think that's, a large percentage of the population um, who are on, you know, cholesterol-lowering drugs and who are on, um, you know, heart disease meds and, and, and all of these other sort of current state of, of health in this country. So when we look at the public health, you know, we're really looking at a, a large number of people, which goes back to David's point, which is, we have to flatten this curve. We have to prevent, do what we can to prevent those folks from ending up in the hospital where we just don't have the resources to be able to give them the care. And there's only palliative care at this point, yeah. right? the care that they need. Yeah. What, when will we know if the curve is being flattened? Will it take a few weeks to realize that? Will it take a month to see what's happening? How quick um, is the, will the graphs represent that? Right, so that gets to the testing. Right, yeah. it gets to the testing, that the testing has been, uh, I will be kind, I will say inadequate at best. Um, I'm <laughs> yeah. not usually tactful, but <laughs> it has really stunk. Um, yeah. We dropped the ball big time. And I think Anthony Fauci at NIH clearly stated this. Um, okay. So even though we're going to start to see, and we've already started in Massachusetts to see the case numbers rise, We should be asking, what's the denominator? How many people are tested? We should be asking how many people are negative, right? Only then are we going to be able to start to get some real data and information. And on the other side, those folks who are at the front lines, those folks who are in the, you know, in the hospitals and in the clinics are the ones who are going to start to see this ramp up and they're going to be tracking from their end as well. I just like to, like to jump in. Um, I think you know with this, you know this um, what, what we know about you know kids. As Wendy said, um, it's really important to people to to not think that well if kids get it they'll be okay because we are, we see some information that not all kids are okay and the more kids that get it that's going to increase the, it could possibly increase those numbers and again as Wendy said kids can be asymptomatic and we can't be complacent because they can spread the disease as well to others. And that's why everybody has to take their part in trying to you know, prevent, prevent the spread. There is some information that you know, actually really young kids under a year of age might be higher at risk right now too. And again, it's changing every minute. I, I had seen some with so much information that we're all sorting through. A lot of my good information comes from Wendy and some of our colleagues at uh, the BU um, Public Health. And you're an alum. I am an alum of BU. Yes. (laughs) There you go. I have a diploma. I can can, uh, hang it somewhere. But um, an honor to be in the room with those people. Um, But... You know, there's been talks about, you know, as, as Wendy says, about high-risk groups and, you know, people with, there was a, I read about high blood pressure, but, you know, being a high-risk group and how many of us are walking around possibly with high blood pressure, don't even know we have it. And, then and this some, week, everybody is, I think. And then, then there's information That's on certain true. medicines like these the angiotensin um, uh, inhibitors, ACE inhibitors, which lower your blood pressure, that those could be at risk if you're on those, um, you know, for 
you know, for worse uh, disease from the COVID-19. So, yeah, this, uh, the, we have to really respect, again, this disease. And yeah. I think, yeah, I just want to say here that public health is done, is, is not an individual effort, right? It's a group effort. So you need to have the clinicians, you need to have the epidemiologists. And, and I just want to step back and say, we've been hearing epidemiology, epidemiology. What on earth is epidemiology, right? Um, epidemiology, right, is the study of the origins of disease and the pattern of disease, right? And so only the data, as the data come out on who is getting sick and, and how they're getting sick is how epidemiologists are doing their work, right? Because what we really want to know is can we make predictions about where the disease is going, how severe it's going to be, who's going to be impacted, and, and how. And we're really going to have to think about uh, sort of at what point we start to make changes. And as David says, changes are happening every day. You remember we started with no rooms of more than 150 people. Then we went to something like 75. Then we went to 25. Now we're at 10, right? And we are really at the point now where we're saying social distancing, and that means six feet apart. And because that's how far, when you sneeze or you cough, that is how far the droplets go. So there's a reason for these things that we know. And when we, there's something that, as you point out, is probably true. We qualify that by saying what we know now. So for example, particles, so respiratory droplets on surfaces. We know that they probably, well, I'll say it this way. They probably remain viable on the surfaces for three to nine days. Can you give me a better number? I can't right now give you a better number yep. because we don't have the science. And I'll tell you, I, I won't go on my rant. We don't have the science because we don't value science in this country until it's a freaking emergency. Yep. So. All right. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I think, we, I think we probably all agree about that. <clears throat> You know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's evolving um, and we have to respect, you know, one thing I worry about is that if, in, as Wendy mentioned, you know, how we gather the data and look at the, um, the curve right now, as you asked, like, when do we know that people will say, hey, it's not really spreading and let's go back outside again and then it's going to spread again. I think we have to, we have to, people have to sit tight and wait and, um, you, know, you know, wait for good information. Yeah, so, I mean, Data is only good as, as data is. So, I mean, do you, as we are fairly new in this country, are you relying on what's being reported back from Europe? Do you put any kind of validity to what's coming out of China because Absolutely. they're wondering if that's actually valid or not? How do, you, how do you weigh what you're receiving and using to make decisions from other countries at this point? Um, I, I, I'll go back to what David said, is that, yeah. you know, consensus is what scientists yeah. do, right? Yeah. And so while we would not say, you know, there's a graph on the web, Let's use it, and, and right. um, that's not okay. Or we'll pull a couple data points off the web and say this is the trajectory of the disease. Yeah. Coming out of by very respectable scientists in China, in South Korea, in Japan, in, uh, in Italy, are peer-reviewed, at least sort of high-level peer review of, yeah. of, of information and data. I think uh, um, the medical journals you know, are really focusing on this. And I think there isn't anybody to the best, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, what we would do is we would look at those data and we would look at them as case reports 
or we would look at them as larger studies. Um, and absolutely, we would look at the ones that are coming out of China. They're invaluable. Yeah. They've gone through this. Their curve appears, right, to be, you know, sort of flattening out. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But we look at the um, comparison of the countries that didn't take severe measures and those that did, very yeah. different. So on, on a practical level, um, you know, I talk to Dave pretty much every day, and through the course of last week, so do I, I. Just, I, just <laughs> left the door. I I heard about you know what you guys were dealing with, um, the conversation. So could you just summarize quickly, um, how did things change over the course of the week? What what direction were you given? What decisions did you make just as your own board? And what did you look to the governor for? or to the federal level for as far as giving you some cover to make some bolder decisions? Oh, this is great. Okay. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, no, this is great because we rarely get to describe how decisions are made uh, in, at the local level. Um, so um, Massachusetts has something called home rule, yep. which essentially gives local boards of health. Every city and town has its own board of health. And not only gives, but um, each city and town makes its own decisions in the re in regard to many decisions around COVID-19. So we were looking to the state, the Mass Department of Public Health, to make some very sweeping statements that would allow us in Lexington, folks in Bedford and beyond, uh, to... Uh, have the state support some decisions like school closure, yep. right? School closure was really uh, what we spent last week focused on. What should we consider? Um, we went through a lot of discussion, and I will share with you a document um, that we developed, which said, here are the things we need to think about, and in close coordination with our school superintendent, right? Because at the end of the day, she's a, a different entity. School board is a different entity um, than the town administration. So a very powerful connection between health, boards of health and uh, school superintendents. Going back to what a board of health does, a board of health is the legal authority on matters pertaining to isolation and quarantine, right, for commu preventing communicable diseases. So in many cities and towns like Bedford, like Lexington, we have a health director, right? And the health director, right, uh, then becomes the uh, agent of the Board of Health. They are the authority then that can make the decisions. Um, and in many cases, the um, health director is in close communication and should be with the Board of Health. So um, for us, the decisions that we made last week were around school closures. Uh, we couldn't have done it without the school superintendent, and she worked with her neighboring regional uh, schools. Um, but in the end, we pulled the trigger. We couldn't wait for MassDPH to do it. Finally, the governor declared an emergency order, right? Uh, and what that means is there are situations that could release money, relieve sort of bureaucratic red tape in getting stuff done. Once he did that, I think then the Mass Department of Public Health was then able to come in and make some sweeping uh, reg reg uh, regulations or, or, or decisions that would close all schools. 
I will tell you it was probably testing that drove that. Out in Western Mass, uh, there was a, there were a number of cases in the Berkshire County. Berkshire County doesn't have health departments or health groups like we have uh, regionally out here in Eastern Mass. They don't have the capability to follow up on any disease, right? So they have to mobilize state funds to get out there to do stuff. That was the impetus for the state to say, okay, close down schools. And then all of these other things have come from the fact that many of the home rule locations don't have the people power or the capacity to do what has to get done. Outstanding. That's wonderful. And, and, what's, and so, you know, we have a three window now where we're sort of pausing and breathing and perhaps practicing more distancing. Um, <laughs> Uh, how, I mean, everyone says this is going to be a 12 to 18 month horizon of cycles of infection and flattening and seasonal changes. So is that, is that true? Is that maybe true? Is it hard to predict? Because we haven't seen enough da know. data and time of this in other countries. You know? We don't know. I mean, yeah. I would say that I would not say it's not true. I don't yeah. have the information. Yeah. I do know that we are, we are likely looking through, definitely through April. Probably may. Uh, I would not bet my my pay for my volunteer job on making that <laughs> statement. <laughs> um, next next question, which is more: if, if we don't know the answer, we don't know the answer. So um, every ten years or so, these viruses pop up coming out of China. They were swine flu. They're SARS. Um, if those had taken place in two thousand and twenty, would we be going through the same process? Or is this actually a different beast? You know, if, if Twitter and social media had been talking about swine flu, like we talked about coronavirus this year, would there would we have got headed in the same direction? Or is this actually much more viral, much more infectious, and much more risky? Um, this virus is, there is no immunity to this virus. Okay. Right? So this virus is, um, highly infectious. This virus is different than others. It is really different. It seems, and, and that's what immunologists and virologists are studying now. Why is this virus so, um, why is it different? And how is it different in its structure and its ability to infect? And um, public health people have been predicting a pandemic of this nature for a very long time. This is, and if you would ask any of the, the folks that David and I speak with all the time, you know, David Hamer uh, and others, are you surprised? I don't think they would be surprised. Well, um, what are you guys grappling with currently from the Board of Health on the Board of Health level? There's a poetic pause there. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how political to be. <laughs> as as Wendy regroups, I just I want to go back to the um, your question, you know, about about the duration of this. I know that that was the question, and like, you know, I think that we are, you know, we have a, when we did the two week shutdown. As and you're involved on, in, on the Bedford side, Dan, with the school system, and that, that, that two week shutdown is Wendy had um, gathered in the information that she put out um, in her document is really to give us like a, a pause, a, a time to regroup for the next you know, month or so. And we expect it to be, 
to then be um, extending that pause longer. And the question is, yeah, is it going to be through April or May? If you look at coronavirus, as a Wendy can speak to this probably better than me. I mean, there is a a seasonality to it, um, but we just don't know with this one and how long it will last. And if you look at the curves in other countries, I mean, it's definitely a three-month minimum, and it's still ongoing. Right. So, I, I was reading this morning that, that the fact that it's still summer in Singapore and Australia and there's been no pause in its spread that it's, maybe it's less susceptible to seasonal changes than other viruses they've seen before. But that's something I know nothing about. I just read yeah. it. And of course, yeah, and people, it never lies. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I was in the gym up to last week um, at wiping myself down very well and hearing well, the, I told you not to go. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I told him it, too, but okay, it was fam- It was family swim. Well, Wendy, um, the best part was last Monday when Dave was oh, like, hey, yeah, hey, hey, no, hey, no, hey, I'm hey. telling you, we're, we're going to Florida next week. I'm like, no, you're not. He's like, yes, well, I am. I'm like, no. no, you're not. I just let so, him think it. You know? <laughs> it's always good. Let, let him go until he realizes he's wrong. It's good. No, um, no, was, you know, but no, but, but, um, I mean, but this virus, I think, is also mutating as well, Wendy, right? I mean, it, it's um, changing. Um, and we have to, again, respect that. So, so yeah, with the, um, the, the going back to your question about um, what was the question? <laughs> uh, which one? <laughs> you know, I talked about how different, if, if, if swine flu had been in the age of 20, oh, no, social media, no, would, no, would no, no, in terms of, much. no, in terms of, for the past week. What are we yeah, going to do? Or re- recent decisions, yeah, yeah, or recent deliberations. Yeah, um, you know, there are some things that the, the governor's office, you know, has not explicitly shut down. Um, and, you know, we are now um, identifying what those gaps are. So, for example, uh, body art, um, you know, massage, um, uh, hair cutters, uh, let's see, a bunch of other things that are permitted yep. establishments in towns. Um, yep. And, you know, those are the things we're dealing with now. And I think the other is, you know, how do we report the data? How do we do it in a way that gets to your question, Dan, which is what's true, what's probably true, and what's yep. not true? Yeah. Have you declared a public health emergency in Lexington? We have not. Okay, because Bedford did yesterday. I was wondering if that's just, is that about home rule? Does that have give, give yeah, more? Yeah, what it does is it mobilizes, yeah. It, yeah. it relaxes some of the administrative requirements. Yep. Um, at the end of the day, for some people, when you see um, an emergency, um, it gives it a different, I think, a different flavor. Sure. Um, and I think what you're trying to balance is fear, fear-mongering, and people just do the right thing, which is, you know, which is social distancing, which is don't go out unless it's absolutely necessary. And one other thing I just want to say is if you call your, um, you know, your emergency people, police or fire 911, you let them know if you are not feeling well. Because um, I think that's really important. Because yeah, so I'm go- so I'm go- yeah, um, going back. To, I think it was the question that Dan asked is like you know what's been going on in the past week. I think that I what I've been privy to is the mobilization of services and the mobilization of hopefully improved communication um, and the coordination of care. I mean, there's a lot of pieces here in the t- in the our towns, and then you think of just our town level, and then you go to the state level, if not the national level. And I mean, Wendy alluded and talked about Julie Hackett, right? Who is Dr. Hackett, the superintendent, is doing an amazing job. Absolutely amazing. Um, you know, 
I mean, are you, if you just break down all these little pieces, I mean, just think about the, the person who's in charge of teachers and kids and schools in each town and the decisions that they have to make every day, incorporating the information that everybody's feeding them. And then you think about the, as you mentioned, Wendy, about the emergency services. You know, you have your fire department, you have your police department, you have your DPW, you have your human health and services. All these people have to talk and communicate and mobilize and the emergency plans which we all we thought might be in place human health and services we only have human services we only have human human we services we don't have health. um yeah. you know and so we and we this emergency plan that we all thought uh, you know may be adequate may isn't and it's there's a lot of um what you know scrambling right now yeah. i think we're, we're doing a good, good job in lexington but there's a lot of um things we're learning from this right now how to how to, how to address the situation yeah, I mean, a full appreciation for the work of the superintendents. You know, in my position on the school committee, I was speaking to our superintendent regularly last week, including you know, late late Wednesday, when he's like, "Just wait till tomorrow, and everything's going to happen." And you know, at the end of the day, like the, the authority to close the schools um, is the superintendents alone. No, um, it's not. But, no, it's Medford, not. Oh, no, is that not true? No, it's not. The okay, superintendents. Tell me more. No, no, it's never been. The superintendents can always close the schools. I mean, right. that is their their right. Yep. If the Board of Health has reason, it can close the schools even without the approval of the superintendents. Excellent. Learn something new. Outstanding. Um, but the coordination of all those closures and services and, and, and sort of this, this trickle-down effects are, what about the food pantry? What about folks who are in need? What about students that rely on free lunch? And seeing you know, both local and state resources mobilized around that's been particularly right. inspiring. So it's been a really nice... Um, nice all, services happening. You know. It's not only mobilizing services too; it's educating them, right? Yeah, so we have to make sure that right. people are using the appropriate, you know, protection when they're involved in things. And I was just talking. This is a maybe a tangent, but I was talking to um, someone that Dan and I both know yesterday who runs pest control company. Okay, a major pest control company which does the pest control for some of the major in-town hospitals, right? So mm -hmm. these hospitals are open. They still need pest control. And if, if her workers are not, you know, um, protected correctly and following c correct protocols and they get exposed or they can't do their job, just think of, I mean, there's so many trickle-down effects. I mean, we can't even go there, right, with not only with the school closures and the daycare, the preschool closures and, and the work and the restaurants. It's a lot of stuff here that we're all sorting through. Unbelievable. So what, what's the... Um What's the best case scenario, guys? What are you looking at? You know, best case scenario is it June first, everything is sort of flattened and life resumes gradually, or, or is or is that optimistic? You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm really comfortable predicting. I don't have a crystal yep. ball, right? Yep. And so, what I prefer to do is to say, "Here's what we know now," and we can look out, say, two weeks. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. go go like that. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I was talking to my husband last night, you know, I'm a public health person who's really on the front lines, and we don't get, we don't got the luxury of saying we need more research, right? We have to make yep. decisions, yep. And, and that's a really hard place to be. My other hat, though, is as a researcher, and, you know, I do get to say we need more data, we need more research on that, um, and so I think in this case, I, I, have, to, I have to do both. Um, but I think both means I'm not willing, I, I can't look out further, um, but I yep. do know for right now, we are definitely looking through, really through April, yep. um, 
and we need to do what we can, which is to decrease exposure, right? Keep washing our hands. I mean, that's been the public health message since time eternal. Your mother yeah. told you that. Wash <laughs> your hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, if there was one other policy that you would recommend that is, we are not currently doing, what would, you, what would you say we're not doing that we could do additionally? Are, are you talking in terms of uh, uh, sort of a, a, a local response or as individuals? E either. Which, if there's something else that you could recommend for us take to be it doing. Seriously. You know? People yeah. take it seriously. Yep. Right? And when we say, you know, we, there is a, um, you know, the, the state has an emergency order. The, you know, National Guard has been called up by yep. uh, Governor Baker. Um, he's doing that because that's how he's got to get resources mobilized and brought to different places. He doesn't do that lightly. Um, pay attention, you know, um, you know, don't congregate. And I actually think what we're seeing is kids need our help. They, kids in our families, I have the luxury now of having old kids, right? But I look at my colleagues and they're you know, they're pulling the hair out of, out of their heads, right? They should go out, kids should go outside. They should sort of distance as best as possible. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is, this is new and it's really hard. Um, but, you know, our, in the past, we haven't been able to connect like you, we are doing now. We didn't have the online capability to do that. Um, and I think we've just got to recognize that for now, that's what it's got to be, coupled with getting outside, going for a walk, running around, um, and take it seriously. Nice. I think they're going to have to use the National Guard to, uh, to guide the playgrounds. And, and well, that's what we were talking about this morning, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I, was, uh, I was over there by, um, where was I? On sort of the, the west side of 120 at Lexington. There's this small playground tucked away in your volunteer way, and it's, just, it's cordoned off with tape. I'm like, yep, I yep. get it. Yep. Right, right by the, uh, the and that's what we talk about every day, right? And you, and you what sorry, do the you police go. do? What do the police need to do? What what, what can we do? Yep. Um, and I think by putting the tape out, putting the saw saw horses, saw horses. Like David, saw horses. <laughs> <out>. um, <laughs> sorry, it wouldn't be a podcast without, without a main <laughs> accent reference. With a main so accent, good. but I, when I hear yeah. Mayor Walsh, I also hear David. Oh, I don't know what's going he's on. Great, he's great. Yeah. He's anyway, doing a great job. He's doing yeah, a great he's, job. He's got a hard job, but I did drive. Yeah. I did. I did drive by that playground. I saw Dan on the swings all don't alone. Stop it, you. Yeah, Dan was on the swings. <laughs> doing. He was doing airplanes. Right. Underdogs with somebody. Right. You anyway. know, our kids though do need to. You know, they need to get outside. They need to run around. Yeah. Um, but they don't need to run around with groups of kids, right? Right. That's right. the thing is, because you know they'll get sick, they'll spread it, and here we yeah. are again. Uh, Dave Gallery, anything you want to see us doing differently? Um, you know, I, I, I ditto to what Wendy said. I, I think you know, um, being patient. Um, knowing that we will again you know yeah just you know respecting um the recommendations because that's all we can do right now and mm -hmm. if you if one you know if, if you don't follow them then you're the weak link and and, and i think david right david it's not about you it's not about me or it's not about if i'm going to get sick it's who am i going to give it to exactly exactly and it's yeah 100 percent. and that's how this works this is this is why we all do what we do right do um you know, yes, and yeah. So I, yeah, I, I just just to really um, you know follow these recommendations because again, that's all we can do right now. We 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 have we have no vaccine. We have no 
way to increase medical care if needed. You know, we, we have no you know, way to um, treat this any differently than just supportive care if you get it. And we need to uh, we need to follow the guidelines. Hey, one thing I want to raise because you didn't actually ask this, but you know some of the things we're waiting that you know may come down locally or it, certainly in the United States. We have a lot of adolescents who vape, and this is, yep. this is something we've been thinking about, which is what is the effect of of uh, COVID nineteen mm -hmm. um, on lungs that are already. Taking a hit. Uh, taking a hit. Yeah. How's that going to play out? Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I've actually I've actually been discussing that with um, a couple people already in the office, um, and yeah, it's 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 yeah whether you're a cigarette smoker or a vapor. And we um, saw that in China that cigarette smokers, you know, had more severe disease, had higher rates of fatality. It was a wake-up call, you know, and it's, you know, it takes, yeah, it takes, um, it's interesting, this, this has been made another public health topic, which uh, we should have Wendy back, but talking about, I mean, how people react to what they see, you know, I mean, the, the vaping epidemic, you know, when, when all this was hitting, you know, how, how that adjusted people's um, behaviors, but that's a great point, Wendy. Wow. Wow. Um, I had a great question for you, Dr. Geller, but I have since, oh, my, and, and Dave, I mean, just from, from your, from a practitioner perspective, um, I assume you're changing how you do business also, but a quick comment on like how, how you're evolving with patients. It took and a calls pandemic, and right, Dave? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, before the, before the flu season, we had already talked about, you know, which I think every, every office <laughs> talks about how to better um, prevent and practice, you know, pre prevent spread of a virus and practice, you know, hot, hygiene at, at, a, at the best level, if not higher. And we totally, um, with this, implemented even more um, ways of uh, ensuring the health of our patients and our workers, our staff, and also being able to stay open. So ahead of the curve, and now it's kind of recommended uh, across the board for most, um, I think, medical offices, if probably not a lot of other offices, is what we're doing. We're staggering our staff. We have pods, basically, where we have... Um, certain people in the office on some days and not on others. That way, in case um, someone gets exposed, we all don't get exposed. And we are staggering the providers in the office. We have provided a home every day. Actually, that's what I'm doing today. I'm home right now, you know, on this podcast, this virtual podcast, um, taking calls from home. So I'm not in the office. And I love being in the office and seeing patients, but I also respect the decisions that we made that if I was in the office on not my day, I get exposed and then I'm, and then, and then I, I, I ruin our, our plan um, to prevent spread, right. which is what we're saying is follow the rules. Okay, so yeah, so we have, we have, um, we're actually doing virtual visits now online, um, telehealth, uh, which is rolled out very quickly, and we've already done our first one uh, in the office where we can see people if they, if they do not want to come in, or can't come in, um, and it's appropriate that they can be done uh, by a virtual visit, which is. Um, HIPAA compliant, confidential, uh, for various things that don't need a more extensive exam. We've also been doing, uh, for people who do not want to come into the office, we've done a few uh, parking lot visits as well. So we're doing our best uh, to accommodate and still see our patients. The patients still need to be seen. There's still the flu out there. There's still strep throat out there. There's still um, injuries out there. We also are, um, we have separating our office into, you know, maybe sick you know, basically sick and clean rooms, um, and we're using different entrances for people. So we're doing, all, that's just some of the things we're doing. How's we're doing your ventilation all, system? Um, uh, between the two parts of the building. 
Um, I can't speak to that uh, te technically, but I'd say it's probably not exactly what it should be. And, uh, That's something to think about. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I will say this: this is an opportunity for everyone to be outside. Um, I'm out in the trails basically every day now with my five kids roaming around, and it's wonderful. And it's great to live here where there's lots of opportunities to ramble around and find um, something to do outside. And you know, I'm hoping, you know, I'm doing two hikes and one run a day, so I actually got in pretty good shape. That's the upside to all this. I want to, I want to jump in one, one, um, uh, well, actually, is that if we go down to right now, they're saying no more than 10 people together. If they get to five, you know, what are you going to do? What, what yeah, you gonna do? <laughs> I'll send a couple over to your house. You can take them. Yeah, I got, I got room. I got room. <laughs> um, you know, my closing point is, uh, you know, the, the narrative I'm certainly subscribing to is in this age of just, you know, large system and governmental dysfunction. It's great to see on the local level, um, especially in this Commonwealth, that we're doing a really good job and making good decisions in the interests of kids, of a public health. And that starts with the local officials, Board of Health, school committee, superintendents, our governor, who's made some good choices on how to make things better. So I think we live in a great state. I feel that more now more than ever. I'm just thankful to both of you for all of your um, leadership and wisdom and guidance in these really difficult times. I want to. Say, I want to give. I want to yeah. give two plugs and pats on the back. You know, from the, you know, working with someone like you, Dan. Um, I know your position in the schools, right, with the school committee. You're not just not just a regular um, town um, uh, member. Resident. 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 Thank yeah. you. You know, you also bring to the table a lot your your background with education and yeah. leadership. That's a big deal. Okay, so we, I think we thank you. Yeah. Um, and that's why you and I communicate not only for this these podcasts and our friendship, but also you know we try to keep in tune to things. And then we have um, you know Wendy, uh, Dr. Heiger Benes. I mean, <laughs> this town is so lucky. Is so lucky <laughs> to have someone like you on the board of health, if not being a town a, you know a town resident, because you you bring this professional experience and um, desire to to better the health of the community. You know, so it's really thank you. I mean, it's an honor. And I'm going to overuse that David, many times with yeah. you. It's an honor. No, it's a big deal. Big deal. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and actually, I, you know, the other board members uh, on our board and are amazing. Um, are amazing. Are, amazing. They're amazing. They're available. Um, and um, it looks like we're going to be. Um, we're hoping to. One of our members is um, stepping down. We're looking to replace her um, with the capability to address people with access and functional needs. Um, that's part of public health, and we need yeah. that on our board. Wonderful. Um, well, I know we're all really busy. It's It's been challenging to find time for us to talk. This was wonderful. Uh, I think the people listening are going to be really excited to uh, hear from you directly and listen to the podcast. So thanks so much for coming on. We should love to have you on again about some other topics. We did vaping a little bit a few weeks ago, but revisiting that's that good. topic for the yeah, public health would be fascinating. Um, we talked about the regulation differences between the U.S. and the U.K. and some of the tobacco levels and nicotine levels, which is fascinating. Actually, and the other thing is that's regulated. Yeah. You know, we do that at the local level. Wonderful. Um, so another reminder, it's, it's great to live here. It's great to live in Massachusetts um, with folks like you leading the way. So I appreciate your time and wishing everybody a happy and healthy weekend. Yes. Uh, and we'll come back on the pod next week uh, and give maybe the latest and greatest Dr. Geller. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you all. Thank you.
What Do We Know is written by Dan Roskell and Dave Geller and produced by Julie Manugian at Lex Media in Lexington, Massachusetts. Our theme song is What's the Hold Up by Joey Freeman. You can find Joey's work on Spotify and SoundCloud. See you next time.